From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Oh God, open us up, open our eyes so that we can see and open our ears so that we can hear. Open our hearts to receive whatever it is that you want to take out of your heart and place deep within ours. And then, oh God, open our hands so that we can serve. And may I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Advent, Holy Family. Y'all did such a great job decorating last week. It looks wonderful here. Thank you. But in the church's seasons, we are not yet at Christmas. As we said last week, for Christians, Christmas is a 12-day feast that starts on December 25th. So that song, the 12 days of Christmas, is not the 12 days that lead up to Christmas. Christmas, the 25th, is day one of a 12-day party. Plan your gift giving and receiving accordingly. (laughs) But today is not yet that day. It's not yet Christmas for us. It's Advent. And you always know what time it is in the church's calendar when you come into this room. Because on this wall will always be some six by six painting that has been offered to the community by Lanicia Rouse Tinsley as a reflection upon what time it is. This painting tells us that it's the time of Advent. The word Advent means coming. That's all it means, coming. And the major lesson of Advent is that Jesus Christ is always coming closer to us, forever. So as close as Jesus Christ is to you now, you have a whole eternity of Jesus Christ getting even closer, always and forever coming closer. And what we said last week is that one of the, at first blush, uncomfortable implications of Jesus Christ coming closer is that the closer he gets, the scriptures bear witness that the more judgment that occurs. And we said that you don't have to read judgment in like a courtroom understanding, but instead you could read it like an artist. When a piece of art is in the hands of an artist and she is giving constant attention to her piece, frankly, she's making judgments all along the way to make the piece better, to perfect the piece. And the more attention actually that she gives to her piece, the more judgments that are occurring. Not because she hates the piece, not because she's trying to destroy the piece, but because she loves the peace and wants to see it become 
the best version of itself. And so actually the more attention that the artist gives to a piece, the more judgments that occur, but that is an act of love and shaping to perfect it. Well, so it is with Jesus Christ. The closer that Jesus Christ comes to us, we are the clay in God's hand. And the more judgments that occur, not because God doesn't like us and not because God is trying to destroy us, but simply because God is trying to make us more human, not less. That's what Advent is about. It's trying to help us get real about the realities of God coming close. If God's really going to come close, part of that means God is going to say, so why, do y'all, why have y'all agreed to run your human societies this way? In a dehumanizing way rather than a way that honors everybody's humanity? That's, that's what the Bible means when it talks about judgment. Now, the scriptures have a word to describe the people that God sends to tell us that Jesus is coming. The word is prophet. Israel's prophets are not fortune tellers peddling mysterious secrets about what's going to happen to you in the future for a price. No, prophets are messengers, and they're usually co-opted into this line of work against their better judgment. These prophets are not charming charlatans conjuring the divine to spill the beans about your future. No, the prophets have a word from the Lord about life today, right here, right now. And their word is God is coming closer to you right now. It's not some imminent threat about the future. It's not even some promise about the future per se. It's a reality check right now. God's coming closer to you. The prophets tell us that God judges the ways that we have agreed to live together as humans because so often we agree to live together in a dehumanizing way. And God wants better for us than that. How about you? Last week, one of Israel's prophets, Isaiah said, God is coming close. And that meant in the text last week that God judged our obsession with weapons. And God said in the Isaiah text last week that weapons were not the way of truly being human. And so we might as well go ahead and start turning our weapons into gardening tools instead. Well, today we heard from another prophet. I thus take you to today's gospel, John the Baptist. But he's not just a prophet. He's actually the son of a priest. He comes from a long line of priests. Now, I presume that everyone expected John to carry on the family business of being a priest, working in the temple, offering the prayers, sacrificing the animals. But instead, John makes his own path. I wonder if you have ever tried to forge your own path and not lived into the stories that you felt like were already written for you. If so, you have a friend in John the Baptist. John instead grows up to be a, almost like an avant-garde punk rock performance artist. And he has staged his latest exhibit in the wilderness. And to our ears, that may sound a little enchanting, like, oh, the wilderness, that sounds, that sounds nice. It's not nice. The wilderness is a dangerous territory that is freighted with deep theological meaning. 
You do not simply go into the wilderness. In his performance in the wilderness, he starts playing with Israel's most sacred images in his art. The wilderness was where God's chosen people, the Jews, sojourned for 40 years. He makes his exhibit interactive, and he begins telling people that God too can save them. You know how God like took God's chosen people through the waters of the Red Sea? John said, well, here's some water right here. And he said, come on down, let's push your body through these waters as well. Evoking how God has always saved God's people by pushing them through waters, liberating them out of slavery and into a better future. And he does it at the Jordan River, which was the site of numerous miraculous moments in Israel's history. This provocateur prophet's performance pushes even further when he begins eating locusts and honey. Did you catch that detail? Now, maybe you take a history channel approach to the Bible and you just kind of go, yeah, see, that's one of those weird details about the Bible. The man was just weird and was into, you know, locusts and honey. Or there's a more powerful image here. John's an artist. Locusts are not a random selection in the hands of a provocateur artist. The locusts were the symbols of judgment in Israel's history. Locusts were one of the plagues. So John grabs the locusts and he dips them into honey. Honey is also not a random choice. Honey is representative of God's mercy. The promised land flows with milk and honey. So here's John, got everybody out into the wilderness, picks out the plague, the locust, God's judgment, and then he dips it into God's sweet mercy. And he makes a communion out of them. We are in the hands of a provocative artist. The art show becomes participatory even more. John starts talking to all the people who have shown up, all of those who are brave enough to come out into the wilderness, and he says, y'all need to get baptized. Come a little closer. And he performs a piece of guerrilla theater by calling out all of the religious elites who are in front of him. Now, I imagine that he knew most of them from growing up in the home of a priest. And so he may have even called some of them out by name. The vestry's there, the bishop's committee's there, all the ministry team leaders are there, the clergy, the deacons, the priests, even the bishops. Oh, there's my Sunday school teacher. Hi, you're all here. You children of snakes. Okay. He says, who warns you to escape from the judgment that is coming? And then he just lays into them as you heard it. Only a provocateur like John had the guts to preach sermons like that. Your mama and your daddy, snakes. Heck of an opening. 
I know you've served on all the church's committees and you always say yes when we ask you to pray the prayers and you even do a little praying at home. And you know, you've been in the right kinds of denominations your whole life and you never voted for the wrong person and you, I mean, you're like, you, you are doing it right. And while that might impress some other people, I'm not blinking today. I wanna see some real fruit. I wanna see some sign that your heart and life has actually been molded by a loving, liberating, and life-giving God you say you talk about all the time. Enough with the insatiable greed. Enough with making idols out of people who supposedly signed up for public service. Enough with your anti-Semitism. Enough with all of the anti-black calculus that you embed into every facet of your society. Enough with the systems and ways of life that are perfectly designed to keep robust happiness out of reach for most people. John says, the ax is already at the root of the trees, friends. Jesus is not just thinking about coming close. By God, he's here right now. Jesus is coming to sift the wheat from the husks, John says. Now, right about now, there's a temptation for preachers to turn into like a fire and brimstone. I don't even have a Bible here to shake, but you know, or, or thump, excuse me, I think is the proper verb. But I don't think that is the best way to make sense of John's message. I do not think that John thinks that some of us are wheat and some of us are husks. No. The wheat is the part of my life and your life that is bearing fruit to the deeply human ways of love. The husk is the part of our lives that are not yet ready to be joined to God. We're all a combination of wheat and husk. There's parts of my life that really do believe in love and liberation and giving life. And there really are parts of my life that I just don't, I'm not yet ready to be that joined to God. And in love, isn't that true for you too? It's certainly true for this community. There's some things we get right and then there's just other things that we're just not ready to deal with yet. It's certainly true for this country. It's certainly true for the entire human race. We're all wheat and husks. And if Jesus is coming close, the prophet, another prophet of Israel says that God is a consuming fire. Well, friends, if a consuming fire is coming to be close to us, the parts of our lives that are wheat will be baked like bread to be in communion with this God. And the parts of our lives that are husks will probably not withstand the heat. The prophet John's message is like it or not, God's coming to be with you. Deal with it. Take great comfort in knowing that you're never gonna be abandoned by this God. But since God is not gonna leave you alone, God's not going to leave you alone. The living God has determined to be with you. Are you ready for the inevitability of a God who has decided to never be without you? 
Former Archbishop Rowan Williams writes this, If you genuinely desire union with the unspeakable love of God, then you must be prepared to have your own religious world shattered. And if you think that devotional practices or theological insights, even charitable actions, are going to give you some sort of purchase on God, you are still playing games. Israel's prophets tell us that God is not playing games with us. Are you ready to stop playing games with God? find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.